This is, this is session one of the semester. Uh, so we're going to really kind of lay the groundwork for the whole semester tonight. Uh, it's probably going to be quick. It's not going to be as deep on every point as I would like it to be. Um, but it's going to set us w- up well for what the rest of the semester is going to look like. Does that sound good? All right. Justin, can you grab the door? Just close those for me. Thank you. So, normally we would have something up on the screen, but not tonight. Um, so what's our series called? What have we been calling it? What are we going to start calling it? Jesus and Identity. Um, where in the world do you think we're going with that? Any thoughts? Go ahead. See who we are as followers of Christ? Okay. Anybody else? Leah? So maybe not letting uh, the image we try to make or portray from ourselves get in the way of what it looks like to live for Christ. Good. Anybody else? Max. So maybe how does Christ want us to live if we are in fact followers of him? Good. Kenzie. Um, that Christ should shape and form uh, our entire identity. That's, those are all, all great points. In fact, I would say they're all right on. What we want to talk about this semester is kind of twofold. Uh, one of them is we want, to, we want to show you what it looks like to be a Christ follower. So you can do one of two things. So if you're a believer, it'll cause you to, to change and grow. If you're a believer, it'll cause you to dig a little deeper, think a little harder, and grow with your friends as you pursue Christ. But if you're not a believer, I want to give you a picture of what it looks like to live in Christ. A picture of what it looks like to have your sin forgiven. A picture of what it looks like to live before a holy, perfect God, unashamed because of a great Savior. So that's, that's the goal for this series. And so today, really what we're going to do is I'm going to give you our definition for this semester of identity. Our definition for really uh, the identity you have been given from creation. The identity that God has decided for you. That you can argue with me all you want, but this is from God's word. This is how God has created you. And it doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian or not. This is an identity we pull from creation and we pull from God's word so that's what we're going to do today. So let me just do this. Can I pray as we get started? Um, I always, we had a retreat this past weekend, and I'm feeling a little less prepared than I like to be. So I just want to pray and ask for kind of extra helpings of grace uh, as, we, as we move into the night. God, I'm so thankful that we find truth in your word. That in fact, your word is really the, the standard bearer for truth. That we can find hope that we can find perseverance, that we can find correction in your word. And God, I just pray tonight that you would use your word and you would use the words that I say and that you would use even group time specifically to help us chew on this idea of identity, of who we are and what's our purpose. So God, be with us. Tonight, Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you've done. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus, for our sin so that we can be made right with you. 
if we would but trust and put our faith in you. So it's in your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. Identity. It's all about who are we or what is our purpose. When you hear the word identity, what what do you think of? Nothing. That's awesome. I'm just kidding. Emma. Maybe personality. Good. Yeah, that's what comes to mind. What else? Leah. What you're known for, what people kind of see you as. What you know. Good. Nobody else? When you think about identity, what comes to mind? How you act and how you speak. Who you are as a whole, kind of your whole entire being. Okay, maybe how do you interact with society or culture? Good. Great, great, great stuff. Well, dictionary.com gives us this definition. Now, they don't hold the corner on the market, uh, but this is the definition they give us for identity. The condition of being oneself or itself. Really helpful, right? Or the condition or character of being oneself or itself and not another. What in the world are they talking about? Identity is all about who you are in the deepest part of your soul. Now, as we look at God's word tonight, what what we have to wrestle with is we all try to create our own identity. In many ways, we're trying to manage our own image, to put off this is who we are, to show to everybody else this is what we are. But God has already given you a specific identity. And in fact, it is the same identity as every person who's ever lived. Now, there are more pieces to your identity. I'm not going to say that you're exactly the same as the next person. That would be stupid, right? I know that's not true. But when we kind of dig down deep, identity is the same for every single person. So this is a, a definition that I'm kind of adapting from a book by Jerry Bridges called Who Am I? But here's the definition we're going to roll with this semester. You and I were created in the image of God, dependent on God, accountable to God for the glory of God. Let me do that again. You were created in the image of God, dependent on God, accountable to God for the glory of God. Now, as you can see, there's four or five pieces in this definition that we're going to flesh out quickly tonight, and then we'll head to our groups to kind of talk about this. Uh, But I'm excited, really, as we start to flesh this out the rest of the semester. I'm not going to hit it all well tonight, uh, but it's... We're going to talk about this the rest of the semester. So why do you think it's important to acknowledge that first part? You were created. Created. Awesome. Did you guys hear what he said? If somebody creates you, they own you. 
Is anybody here an artist or like to make things? Anybody? What do you guys like to make or, or what do you like to draw? Or tell me, just give me some things. Music, like to create music, great. Say that again. Draw people, good. Landscapes. Many different things. You would. Light bulbs. Great. So how would you feel? Um, you're drawing a stick figure, or you're, you probably draw, don't draw stick figures. You probably draw real people. So you're drawing a person on this piece of paper, and then all of a sudden this person that you've drawn on the piece of paper looks right back up at you and says, you don't own me. I'm going to go live somewhere else. I know that's weird. But... What would you do? Or you spend hours making a rocking chair to give to somebody, and then the rocking chair decides to tell you, I'm not going to rock, and it doesn't rock. Or maybe it's music. You create this beautiful piece of music. You, you put it on this CD to give to your friends. They put it in their CD players, or it's an MP3 or whatever you, you do. And all of a sudden it sounds different than you created it because it decided it wanted to do something different. I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Because we are created, the creator owns us. That means the creator gets to decide the parameters for our life. He gets to decide what things will look like, what things will be. So if you uh, have a Bible with you, let's go Genesis. If, if we're going to talk creation, we might as well take a look uh, at where we find this. Genesis chapter 1. And really the idea is we have to take from God's word what our identity is. Because God gets to tell us what identity looks like. We don't get to tell him what identity looks like. Does that make sense? God gets to decide what identity looks like. We don't tell God what identity looks like. Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. So we see right there, if there's really no way to understand this, then God created mankind. You can trace your identity all the way back to the creation account in Genesis. You were created. You didn't come about because you made yourself. You didn't come about because of this, these cells that just exploded into human life, you came about because God formed mankind. You are a created being. He gave you a body. He gave you emotions. He made you able to think. Just, just think about that for a moment. You know how intricate your own body is. Some of you have already taken anatomy and biology. Think about all the things that go into making your body work right. 
for you to be able to see clearly, for you to be able to walk, for you to be able to hold conversation, for you to be able to think deeply and abstractly about something. God created you to do all these things. He is the creator. We are the created. Part of the issue is when we think about our identity, we very rarely will trace it back to the fact that we are submitted to something else. We think we are in charge, right? How often do we think that way? I think like that way all the time. I make decisions based on what I just want to do. I decide, you know what? I get to, I get to decide how I do this or how I, how I make this or how I do all these things. But I was created by God. I was created. What are some of your favorite things to do? Favorite things to do? Seth? Write computer programs. I didn't get that one. <laughs> Go ahead, Abby. Read. Sing it one more time. I'm sorry. Sing. Leah. Write music. Write books. Play some soccer. Thank you. Golf. Swim. Anybody else? Sleep. Gotta love that. Go here real quick. Watch dogs. Or wash dogs or watch dogs? Both. Camp. Okay, think about these things. So everybody picture one thing in their mind that they love to do. Whatever it is. God created you to, with the ability to enjoy that. He could have decided not to do that. I know you love soccer. He could have given you no legs. He could have created all mankind without legs. He could have created all of mankind completely tone, tone deaf. He could have created all of mankind without the ability to communicate to each other using words. Could have done all these things, but he, in his infinite creativity and his infinite sovereignty, created you to be able to do all of this. What a creator we have. So that's the first part of your identity is you are created. But what's the next part of that of that verse in 27? God created man how? Verse 27. Somebody give it to me. In his image. Well, what does that mean, guys? Don't everybody raise your hand at once. Leah. So we are a reflection of God. Good. Anybody else? So we share some of his qualities, sure. Theologians have wrestled with this and tried to come up with long lists of what traits we pull from God, what traits are not from God. Uh, they've, they've, they've talked until they've been blue in the face. But I want to just make this really simple for tonight. I just want to make it really simple. What it means to be created in the image of God is you are like God, you are like God, 
and you were designed to reflect God or to represent God. You are like him and you were made to reflect him. Now, this is something, I'm going to be honest with you, I sometimes say this, but this is completely true. We could do a whole semester on what this looks like to be created in the image of God. But we're not, we're not necessarily going to do that. But you are like God. Just think about that for a moment. I, I don't want to just run through these things and just rattle them off because this is your identity and this is what we do. You were created in the image of God. To be like him. That doesn't mean equal to him. To be like him and to represent him. That is part of your God-given identity. Your God-given purpose in the image of God. All right, the next part of our definition, we said God has created us. He's created us in the image of God. And he has created us to be dependent on God. Now this is the one where it really starts, at least in my heart, to hit home. Because it reminds me of the many ways that I act completely opposed to this part of my identity. What does it mean to be dependent on something or someone? CJ. Great. Can't live without it. Anybody else want to say it differently? All right, we don't want to get into that. (laughs) Say that one more time, I'm sorry. Look to them for everything. Won't be able to succeed without it. Those are all great. Can't live without it. Those Those are great definitions of dependency. How are we dependent on God? Just honestly, if you can look at our lives... How are we dependent on God? Sophia. Breathing is impossible without him. There's actually a verse about that. Did you know that? Uh, we'll get there. It's uh, Acts 17, 25, but we'll get there. Breathing. What else? What else? <laughs> Say it again. Mobility. In what ways are we dependent on God? Go ahead. Anything good we do. Go ahead, tab. Sight. The ability to think. All of these things are things that we are dependent on God for. In fact, our entire existence is dependent on God. We need God for food and drink. Let's take a look real quick at Deuteronomy chapter 8. So head right, a couple of books. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Where did they get the ability to make money, the ability to, to get food, the ability to do all those things? Where did it come from? 
That was weak. Where did it come from? God. Do you guys recognize that? So, so I know many of you live at home. Uh, food gets put on, on the table. Uh, it's bought from the store, put in your fridge. Do you recognize that every dime that is paid for that food comes from God? Every bit of it. No, no, no. You said, but my mom and dad work hard. Yeah, you are right. They do. But they would not be able to work if God didn't enable them to. Their bodies could not function if God was not sustaining, if Christ was not upholding creation. Everything we own and everything we are comes from God. We are utterly dependent on God for everything. For life and breath. Acts chapter 17. You can go there if you can get there quickly. If I can get there quickly. Acts 17, 25. Let me see here. So let's go back to 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Even your breath is God-given. Even your very sustenance of your own body is God-given. He gives you everything. He gives you your gifts and abilities, as you would see in 1 Corinthians. Everything you're able to do, everything you enjoy doing, he has given you. You cannot do it without him. Even those of you who say, you know, I'm in athletics and I work my tail off to be better. You're right. You do. <laughs> But you could not do it without God. You could not do it. He gives you the ability. Whether you're a Christian or not, God is working in the world to uphold and sustain everything. Your abilities come from God. All right, so what three things have we said so far? We are created by God. We are created in the image of God and we are dependent on God. Good. What was the fourth thing I said at the beginning? What's the next part? We are accountable to God. What does it mean to be accountable, guys? You have to answer to somebody. Great. Anybody else want to try? Accountable to God. Responsible, yep, responsibility. Good. Being accountable to God is you're going to have to give an answer. You're going to have to uh, give an answer for all that you have done or all that you've said. You know, that's why when we talk about accountability partners, it's talking about a relationship where they hold you accountable, where they ask you, okay, how is this going? And you have to give an honest answer for how you're doing. 
From the very beginning of creation, we can see that mankind was accountable to God. Where do you think we see this? Any ideas? Where does this start? Right. It starts in the very beginning of Genesis when God gives mankind, Adam and Eve, one instruction. What was the instruction? Anybody? Go ahead. Somebody. Don't eat from one tree. One tree. They did. And then what happened? Did God say, no big deal? It's okay. You'll get it next time? No, they were accountable to God. We even see later uh, in the account of Cain and Abel, God hadn't even given the Ten Commandments yet, but we see the first murder in Scripture, and Cain is held accountable. What have you done? He's held accountable. Psalm 119.4 says, You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Romans 14, 10 through 12 talks about everybody must give an account to God. So we are created. We're created in the image of God. We are created dependent on God. We are accountable to God. And the last one is we're created for the glory of God. Now I know that's a phrase that gets tossed, tossed out all over the place but give me some thoughts on what does that mean? What does it mean to be created for the glory of God? Okay, so we're created to show other people what God looks like for his pleasure, to worship him. Anybody else? Tim. Can't use the same word in defining it. To glorify him in everything we do, you're right. You're totally right. You're totally right. But what does that mean? So we've just tossed out more words that we've got to define. To worship him. To glorify him. But what does that mean? To make him famous? To, to learn how to please him instead of pleasing ourselves. To obey his commands. I don't know if uh, some of you were, still, were in high school when I first started. We, we spent some time in the book of John, and we talked about this guy by the name of John the Baptist. And one of the things that I told you guys, this was a couple of years ago, was that John the Baptist was a glory deflector. And what I mean by that is he spent his entire life trying to point everybody to somebody else. With his actions, with his what he did, he, he, he was always saying, it's not about me, it's about the one to come. It's about the one to come. Anybody know 1 Corinthians 10.31? Turn there. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 10, 31. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know this one. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. How all-encompassing, all-encompassing do you think whatever you do is? Is it just this area of my life? Is that what that means? Thank you. No. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm asking a question for a reason. Whatever you do, if we're going to break it down in the Greek, it means whatever you do. Whatever you do. You were designed to bring glory to God. If you look in uh, Romans chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, but what you see is a people who have turned from worshiping God to worshiping idols. They've forsaken their identity. It's idolatry. All right, I really want to wrap this up because I want to get you to your groups and I want just to start this discussion of what does identity look like. I don't have any crazy illustrations tonight. I don't have any crazy stories to tell you. But I think what you're going to see is as we dig into this stuff, as we dig into what it looks like to live out an identity like this, as we talk about because this is all given pre-fall to, to Adam and Eve, this identity. When we start talking about what it looks like to be restored to that identity through Christ and what it looks like to try to live out that identity as believers, there's going to be a lot more meat to this, a lot more flesh to this, a lot more maybe conviction to this. But I want to leave you guys with just this one thought that we've already said But this is your identity, whether you like it or not. I didn't come up with this. I tried to describe it, but I did not come up with this. You were created in the image of God, dependent on God, accountable to God, and for the glory of God. So I'm going to give you a few questions. Uh, We're not going to do journal time tonight. I'm going to send you to your groups. But I want to give you some questions to kind of help shape some of your discussion. And I want to ask you one thing. You guys know, you guys know that group time, that discipleship group time sinks or swims on you guys. It doesn't necessarily have to have a good leader, but we've got some great leaders. It's not their job to ask the exactly right question to get you to open up, to unlock that box. Group time is going to sink or swim based on are you willing to be real with the people around you or not? Are you willing to be honest and say, I don't like what you just said, Ryan? Or I don't like what he just said. Or that frustrates me to be that dependent on somebody else. Or are you going to be transparent in a way where you say, I love that this is true about God. Because that gives me hope. It gives me, it gets me excited. 
So here are uh, maybe four questions that can help you with your group time, and then we'll head on out. Do you believe that your identity actually starts with God's design? In other words, do you believe what we have talked about is this identity? And that's a why or why not question, obviously. Why or why not? And you may get into that question or you may not. Some of my leaders don't even use these questions. So it's, uh, what we want is to have fruitful discussion about these things. Number two, which one of these pieces of identity do you struggle with the most? Which one of these pieces or parts do you struggle with the most? And then on the flip side, which, ones of the, which one of these excites you? There are some of these in here that just get me excited to think about what God has done for me or what, how God has designed me or, or it gets me excited. And the last one is just what would change in your life if you actually believed this and lived this way? If you actually thought about the fact that this is what you were designed for. That it's okay to be utterly dependent on God. In fact, you are utterly dependent. That it's, you are accountable to God. And that you are here to glorify God. All right. So what did we say? Let's go over those five things and then I'll pray. You were, first and foremost... Created by God. You were created in the image of God. You were created dependent on God. You were created accountable to God. And you were created for the glory of God. Sorry it's so warm. It's making me sleepy up here. God, I love you. I'm so thankful that you decide and define identity. Because if it was up to us, we'd have 50 million ways of defining it. But I'm thankful that you remind us that you have created us for a purpose and that that purpose is not all about me. God, I do pray for our discipleship group time. I pray that you would really use these as we, as we hope they would be used. That we'd have real conversation. That we would have real care for one another, that we would genuinely enjoy the time that we get. God, I know we don't, we're not best friends with everyone in our groups, but I, I pray that we would see them as, as people who can help us to grow. God, that we can run this race together for your glory and for our good so that we can be a light unto the world. Jesus, it's in your name we pray.